left, right. Yo, what's up, guys? Thank you for joining us again. In this episode of Sip Talk, we continue the conversation. Is Facebook evil? How would you fix Facebook? I want to know. Do you think Facebook is a greater good for society or not? And what would you do to fix it? Listen on. Let me know your thoughts. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 All right. I think I found it. That's the long pour. This is Sip Talk, episode 141. My name is Justin DiGiulio. Out of my basement in New Jersey, out of Charleston, South Carolina, is James, the Bosnator Boswell, philosopher, accountant, professional referee and bartender. James, how are things? Things pretty smooth in Charleston. Um, it's been super rainy this week. Like, I went and walked in my yard yesterday, and it was like walking on a sponge. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's not good. I haven't mowed the lawn in three and a half weeks, so I'm going uh, to have some lawn, lawn issues myself. Typically, I could do it during the week when I get home from the office, but now it's too dark. So, uh, yeah, so you're just growing hay? <laughs> Basically. I just bought a bale of hay and paid for it. I don't know how much. It probably was only a few bucks. But you wait another couple of weeks, you could have saved yourself some money. Could have made my own. So we're going to continue our conversation today about the evils of Facebook. Um, or really, I think what we should try to do is come up with some constructive conversation about what Facebook would look like, like if it was less bad for people like what is what is some reform that we could do to facebook i don't i don't really know um i you know i i think the idea of interconnectivity is good you and i were pretty early on users of a computer and of the internet so we were kind of right on that curve but um then facebook and myspace came out and i was a pretty late adapter uh of Facebook, especially for somebody my age, most people already knew about it already and were into it and on it. I wasn't so tuned in with it. Somebody convinced me to make an account and I you know, took it up and, and ran with it. Now wishing I had started earlier because early on the platform, there was a lot more opportunity. Same thing with Instagram and TikTok and some of the other platforms. That's my opinion. But I'm still not the biggest fan of, of the platform because I feel like it is doing for many people more harm than good. We talked about a lot of the harm that's happening the last episode, episode 140, which is available on YouTube and all audio podcast platforms. Check us out, subscribe, like, comment, share, anything would help. Uh, but thank you guys. Those of you guys who, who do loyally listen, I appreciate that. Um, but what, do you, what are your thoughts? What do you, if, you, if you were to keep... Well, one, do you think it's possible to just chop Facebook up into a million pieces and it just goes away? Well, I think that you're going to need to do that. Um, hold on a second. Lisa says the biggest evil of Facebook is Facebook dating, which do you know how that works? I, I've never been on the platform, so I don't know. I I know that there's a little heart at the bottom of your page when you're logged in that's Facebook dating. I don't know anything about it, but I assume it works very similar to every other dating platform. And most of the other dating platforms do tie you through Facebook anyways, just to make sure you're a real person. Mm, a lot of those, have, a lot of them have gotten away from it. Um, like the, the Bumble doesn't require it. I'm pretty sure Tinder doesn't require it anymore. Like a lot of them used to, but not they they got rid of it. Um, Lisa, to explain why Facebook dating is so bad. Um, I believe you, but I just would like some details. Uh, so, I think breaking Facebook up into smaller parts would be a good first step, just so that way that they don't have as much reach as they currently do. Well, let me let me ask this because. Yeah, sure, reach. But w look at 
look at Google, which is now Alphabet, and Google is a subsidiary of it, right? Mm -hmm. How does that work, and how is that not a monopoly? A lot of people would argue that it is, and they've had to pay considerable sums of money in European courts, but and and maybe in American courts, but I know definitely in European courts, um, after being found guilty of operating in monopolistic ways. And if you want to argue that Google should probably be broken up into smaller parts, I would accept that one as well. Um, it's just that Google has a different impact on people's lives than Facebook does, where when Google operates as a monopoly, it's it's really, it's it's controlling your search data, which is something that you don't really see in the same way you don't see the impacts to people's behavior in the same way that you do with the way that Facebook curates its data because. Well, they're giving you the most likely results based now, actually. Well, think about it. No, because the, the thing is the, uh, the goal of Google is different than the goal of Facebook. Facebook makes its money by getting you to respond to things on its site. So liking and commenting on posts is what really drives things for them because they need you to, and, and the other thing, like it's also time spent on the site because the more time that you spend on the site, the longer you're going to be exposed to the ads that they're selling. Sure, and but Google, it, but how does Google, What's their business plan and their, their operation otherwise? They sell ads, as does Facebook. Yes, but Google, the way that Google makes money off of ads is different than the way that Facebook does. Like, Google doesn't, you, first of all, you're not on, the, the, the advertising revenue from Google isn't a function of how long you are on the Google. It's when you go to a random website, and that random website is running ads. Chances are those ads are powered by Google. But you could be on any website, and it's the, the website itself is not affiliated with the Google. It's just running ads brought to you by the Google. Whereas Facebook, in order for you to be exposed to the ads that make Facebook money, you must be on Facebook. Whereas Google, you don't have to be on the Google. True, true. Um, <laughs> a couple of things. One, uh, are you familiar with Bing? Yes. Which, which ships with all Microsoft products. Do you know what the most searched term is in Bing? How to install Chrome? Google. Just the word Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, uh, it's not, not great for them. But my thinking is that if you just... Like TikTok is another great example of something that's replacing Twitter and Instagram. And it's doing a great job, but it just popped up seemingly almost overnight. And there's lots of other platforms like that. So what's, what's keeping these platforms from rivaling Facebook? Is it just that Facebook's um, buying them? Let me come back to that question. I want to respond to, to Lisa because she answered my question. Now I've got a conversation going with her. Um, the biggest annoyance, Lisa says, the biggest annoyance with Facebook dating is that you get suggested people with whom you have mutual friends. I so you're gonna have, like, but that's a lot like real life. It's more real life than something like the Bumble or the Tinder. Well, you may find out that you have mutual friends with those people. It's just that Facebook... Right, but like, if I'm if I go if I'm in Charleston and I'm swiping on the Bumble, the the probability that I have a mutual friend with anybody that pops up on my list is effectively random. Like, it doesn't know who I'm friends with. So, if I happen to have a mutual friend with someone who I match with, that's an accident. Um. Well, Lisa's next comment is hard having conversations when you get a message saying my uncle likes you or my cousin liked you um, and you didn't like them back. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, yeah but that's... The I, I'm, I'm with her. Because like, the thing is, before... Let, let's rewind 30 years ago. 
chances are the way that you met your significant other was either through a friend, through work, or maybe out at a bar. But probably that, through a friend and through work probably made up 80 to 90% of how people met each other. Well, that's, that's one of the things that's now challenging relationships in 2020 or 2021 is that we are so interconnected and you have so many more options. Now, for some people, that's great. They'll make a lot of choices and options and they don't necessarily want to settle down. But what is the paradox of choice is that the more options there are, the more difficult it is to choose, to make any choice at all. Yep. So I feel like there's a major challenge to people finding good relationships. And also what we talked about in the past episode, I think we talked about this on the dating episode we did with Drinks First, about um, people choosing the wrong people. Because people punch up when they're when they're liking other people on online. <laughs> Got to shoot for the stars, man. <laughs> well, um, oh boy. Uh, either way, so look how how do we break up and break down Facebook? Um, I'm gonna con- I'm gonna circle back to the question that you just asked me, which is like, why is it so difficult? Like, when when you've got one platform out there that controls most of the market so for social networks it's facebook and then that's really it um there there are other smaller social networks that will focus on one particular thing um the the example that i can think of is um strava for for fitness so if you, for people that like run or bike um it's a place for them to like share their workouts and like show how fast they did their last run and compare their times to other people on like a same segment of road or something like that um but it doesn't have many features outside of some pure fitness stuff it's it's not something that it's it's not really designed to promote a ton of user interaction um but but then you but let's and, and so you've got you've got examples of, like that all across the board, but but what's the, the worst aspect of Facebook? In the worst opinion? aspects of Facebook is that it causes it 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 delegitimizes interpersonal reaction. It, it boils interpersonal reaction down to some quantized function of numbers. Of I have this many friends, I got this many likes. It it, it forces people to compare themselves to others in almost universally negative ways. Well, That's the worst part of it. There, there are other aspects that are bad, as I already talked about, in terms of how it amplifies misinformation. And, based, and, and the thing is, in order to continue, like, it, it wants you to bounce around the site and stay on as long as possible. So it very quickly learns the things that you're interested in, and your feed will then be populated by other things that it thinks you're interested in. And it's a feedback loop where it ends up shutting, it, it, it kind of paints you into a corner of things that it thinks you're interested in, but it'll never suggest things that you might not be interested in that might be a good idea for you to look at anyways, because you're not, gonna, you're not as likely to click on them. You're not as likely to spend as much time on the site. Therefore, you're not spending as much time looking at the ads. So, so but is it is it that is it the stream of other people's activity or the limited interactions that you can have with them because it sounds like it puts a lot of good things in one place it's just yes you it does it does show how many connections you have and that's public data for everybody to see although i think you might be able to turn that off and it does show how many likes and views that your posts have Right, and so... Which, and again, that's also public data, although they are experimenting with certain accounts with turning that off, and I think you can also manually turn it off yourself. But, you know, some of that data is useful as analytics as well, depending on what you're using it for. Yeah, it's... 
and again, since I haven't ever used this site, it's hard for me to comment as to what it actually looks like. But it, I think it allows people, even, even though your name is attached to your, to your account on Facebook, it still allows for interactions that wouldn't occur in the real world. Like, if people will say things to each other on Facebook that they wouldn't say to each other in well, person. I, but I see that more so on Twitter. Uh, well, we can talk about Twitter because I don't think that Twitter's good either. And uh, Shanab says, uh, where did that go? In Shanab, we need to include Instagram as well. So I, the, the issue with Instagram is kind of a mirror of Facebook where it, you've got people that are taking pictures of themselves to try and make themselves look better to the world. And then that's all you see is people doctoring photos of themselves to make themselves look more attractive. And then people who don't know that that's what's happening think that that's how you're supposed to look. Well, I think most people know that that's happening. They just may not know that every photo is... I've had people suggest it to me who I know outright in person. And I'm like, yeah, I, I see that their pictures. I'm like, I have no idea who that is. And come to find out, it's just hev heavily filtered photos. Right. And so... Well, I wouldn't call that the, the number one thing that Facebook has working against it. And, no, you know, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm sorry, but Instagram has working against it. I don't, I don't use Instagram either, so I don't know. But what I'm saying is that Instagram... The way that people treat their photos on Instagram is a perfect analogy for how they treat their lives and other non-photographic data about their lives on Facebook. Is that they're only representing things that are not necessarily real and designed to make themselves look good. And when you're when when you're exposed to only that aspect of other people in your lives you're going to feel like you aren't succeeding or that you're inferior to all these people because it's very easy to forget that what you're looking at isn't the reality for these people. Yes, it's, it's really easy to go to somebody's Instagram page, see all their pictures, and instantly just assume that's their reality. Um, and some people post a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the more posts they have, the more, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky if I post a dozen times a year and, and I try to post often, but, um, but I don't because I don't have a lot of things that are really post worthy. So I also think that it, it, this is more minor, but for the longest time in society, Doing, taking actions whose sole intent was to draw attention to yourself was derided by society. Um, for, for lack of a better term, being an attention whore was universally looked down on for a long time. And this is an app that invites you to try to get yourself as much attention as possible. So it's completely flipped it, where so, now, now it's rewarding being an attention whore. But it's, it sounds to me like our qualms with the technology are a little different. Yours, as a, as a non-user, is mostly about the psychological effects, I feel like. And mind you know just about how people enhance themselves and then they look at other people's enhanced lives and feel worse about themselves is that is that pretty much in a nutshell and there's more to it but we can start there yeah now one of the things that bother, bothers me probably the most is the time suck aspect of it and i see this more so with tiktok which is a cool platform because it's all videos but the videos just automatically, so you watch the video and then it automatically repeats without even a, a split second of pause. And when you swipe to the next video, it's already playing 
and it repeats without pause. Any direction you swipe from the main page brings you into another page of videos that are already playing. So uh, what it just kind of locks you in. Do you know what I'm saying? There's, there's nowhere for you to go where your eyes and ears are not engaged with the platform. So it actually makes it really difficult to get off the platform. And you it's can by design. That, that it's exactly by design. So one of the biggest things I don't like about these apps is that they remember back in the day when we were kids the t at like 10 o'clock at night, sometimes 11, the TV would just go to static because they ran out of stuff to, uh, to put on TV. Test patterns. Test patterns and sometimes to static. Yeah. Well, because they ran out of stuff. And then they quickly yeah, realized... There's just no programming or it would be like at um like infomercials of like spray on hair yeah but then they they <laughs> but they like, quickly realized that they could sell that time to infomercials they could sell they could also play reruns and that people would still engage with the platform now it took them a really long time to come around because back then most of tv was still analog slowly transitioning so well, they didn't there was also a higher production cost back then because you needed to have people in the studio to manage all that stuff. And at some point, it became more automated. So you could just say, all right, you know what? From 11 o'clock until 6 o'clock in the morning, we just got seven hours of crap queued up. No, and like everyone go home and it'll play automatically. At one point, that would have been much more difficult to pull off. And yeah, so, so there was a technology change that enabled that. Yes, and now you can watch TV at any any point in time. Now, when you scroll through your feed on any of these platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, what happens is that you never run out of content. And you're also not watching, you're not receiving the content that's displayed to you in chronological order. So you log in, it may not be what any of your friends posted in the last five minutes or hour. It may be a popular post from three days ago that for whatever reason you missed until now or it became popular now and it's displaying it to you. So I, do, I don't like that there's no, that it's kind of this never-ending stream of information. To me, that seems... Yeah, but how much value? It, there's quantity, but where's the quality? Well, depending on who you're connected with and also because it's all perceived as quality to you because of the way the basically however they're giving you this information it's all something that's going to be you're going to be loosely interested in which is also why they ask for your interests and things when you sign up and they track what you like and they track what you stare at so that once you've run out of stuff even if you were to go back tens of thousands of posts and run out of stuff chronologically they would just start giving you other people's content as suggested content so that's one thing that I, you know, when they changed to from the timeline to basically the river or whatever you want to call it, uh, and it's all out of sync time-wise, that really bothered me because now it just, just it's kind of never-ending. Um, so hold on, let's let's hit some of these comments real quick. I'll let you read through them because they're coming through faster. There's a whole yeah, conversation. Yeah, Lisa on. says, "What makes you want to follow someone on Instagram or TikTok?" Well, me, I don't, so I don't know. Like, can't answer that because I'm not on any of those platforms. Well, let me um, I'll, let me. I'll, I'll answer that. Will you yeah. answer the next comment? I usually follow people that. Um, oh man, that's a really tough one because I I actually don't interact with and I don't kind of read Instagram that often. So usually it'll be like a new connection for me, somebody I've just met, and either they send me a message. I don't even know because I, I definitely don't follow that many people, which is, which is really bad. Um, but I, and oftentimes it'll suggest people. So I just, you know, click like somebody who suggested who I, who I recognize. Um, um, and I guess the best analogy that I can do is like, I spend a lot of time watching videos on YouTube because I don't know. I like being, it, there, there's a whole bunch of interesting people out there. And so like, if I were like, what, what gets me to subscribe to somebody on YouTube is if they make high quality content about an interest that I have. So if I go through here, like 
There's a guy well, that, that does chess. There's a guy that does geography. There's an economics very, one, very a trading exciting. card game, like a guy that makes but videos the, about space, and then some video are, game stuff, and then like yeah, some video yes. game stuff, and it's right, a talk. Okay, well, but I, I got you. So, but those are those are your interests. I do the same thing on, on YouTube, and I've actually I have uh, friends that I see their YouTube pages. And for the most part now, I've kind of come around and started following their, their YouTube pages because I'm trying to promote ours. But there was a while I was unfollowing people on YouTube because it kept suggesting videos that I wasn't interested in watching. And I was, you know, I, I want to follow the accounts of interesting videos. So one thing I've found with YouTube, and this is a really big problem with it, actually, is that YouTube very quickly gets into a feedback loop with itself. I've noticed this because I listen oh, to a lot of... Yeah. I listen to a lot of music on YouTube, mm-hmm. and so if I listen to, for example, like Presidency United States of America, great band, I decided to start listening to them this week, just like, I remember these guys, and so I listened to them a bunch for a couple days, now, and then I guess. went and like clicked now, my mix, and like the thing is, it would, sh- it would throw like four or five of their songs in the first 20, but then like it gets to a certain point where it stops replaying songs that I listened to recently, and it'll just start playing like if I listen to President of the United States of America, then like it reaches a point where it just says, you know what, I'm just going to keep on playing that stuff. Like it runs out of ideas, and yeah. it doesn't know how to suggest other bands that are like them. But it just no, it just gives you, and, and what you're saying is yes, it actually happens really, really quickly, and then it only gives you one thing, mm-hmm. and that gets. That gets really, and it doesn't give you a mix of your interests. It just, get, you know, last week you were listening to The Strokes. This week you're listening to the President of the United States of America. And now this week it's just all, and the week before that you were watching some chess videos mm-hmm. and, and some geography videos or geology videos. I don't, I don't know which is, which is, They're related. Boring, which is more boring in my opinion. <laughs> but, um, well, so the, but the, the point that I'm making with like YouTube, and I'm sure that other sites are like this as well, is like when YouTube suggests me too many songs by the same artist and I want to see something different, that's not really harmful. That's just kind of annoying. Um, but where it becomes harmful is if you listen to a political speech by someone who is slightly left or slightly right. And you listen to that whole thing, YouTube's going to be like, okay, you are slightly left here. And then it'll suggest something that's also a little bit left, but maybe a little more so. And then after a couple of videos, you're radical left. And that's all you get. So it's very easy for YouTube to, I'm a little left, I'm a little left. And then 10 videos later, it's like the most liberal. And the same thing works for conservative. It's like whichever direction you go, you get pulled hard far all the way out and i think that's why we've seen uh, politics go as wacky as they have now i think so too everybody being so extreme and they don't see both sides of things and i like i I always say i've always thought i was super liberal but now i am seeing this crazy shit that it's just like well i'm not that i'm you know that doesn't make any sense and all these agenda-driven laws which in application do a lot of harm like the whole eviction moratorium uh, you know is is really really bad and it's a great it's a great idea it's a great it's a it's a great moratorium but not just a blanket eviction moratorium where somebody has to sign a form that says i've negatively been i've been negatively impacted by the covid-19 virus in the last year and a half that's all they have to do and then let's let's Try and stay on top. We well, can come back either, to like either, either the, way. I'm the, just the, saying. You know, you know, I think under no circumstances anybody would think that would be okay. But now they're just getting this barrage of media that's supporting those ideas and feeding them with the talking points and feeding them with the way to think that make it okay. And they're not interested in hearing the other side of the story. Well, and that's what happens on Facebook too. Is that you? click on a news article that had or like a, an opinion piece that has a lean one way or the other and it'll recognize how long you spent reading that and whether you commented or liked it or anything like that or if you shared it and all of those kind of just like add up its score for its weighting and then the next time something like that comes up you're more likely to see that but you might have read that 
and maybe you didn't agree with it, but now you're going to see more of that kind of stuff, and very quickly it's going to end up with that's all you're exposed to, and that's not how these things should work. Like people need to be exposed to both sides of an issue, but these algorithms, a small change in weight early can lead to really only one side of a particular case ever popping up for you. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. But also a thought on the fake news aspect of it, not just the real posts, but there's a lot of fake news. And I think it's very difficult for people to tell the difference now. And I look well, at because it's been it's become really, really good. Well, I think about and, and, uh, and that's, I'm not saying I'm saying it's made in such a way that it can be difficult to discern. Well, hear me out. I'm thinking of other scams that are out there. So you get the telephone call that says, hey, this is the auto warranty department. That's a pretty easy one. Um, but hi, this is the IRS. We've been trying to reach you. There's, you're like, oh, that's yeah. Cool. Or your social security number has been disabled. Yeah. It's a, but, but you also get emails that are phishing emails. So you can email dear user, your Bank of America pin has been reset. If you didn't do this, click this link and stop it. And anybody over 40 years old right now is going to be like, oh, shit, I better click that link. Yeah, not checking on the URL to see that it's not linking to the actual bank website or the fact that the bank would never send you an email about that. Yeah. And uh, like, but it's really easy for people to miss these things. So fake news on social media works exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. And that's where it gets really dicey for people because you can't tell the difference for the most part. And unfortunately we've had this giant attack against the regular media, which makes them look less credible. And then, you know, you have something else that looks like them, but you haven't heard of it. And that, that by comparison has more credibility than it would have before. Yeah, that that's, well, that's no, 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 no. What I'm trying it, it's more nefarious than that. It's if if you're. Well, it's more nefarious because there's other aspects of it. It's if you want to have success, a successful propaganda campaign, then the first thing you need to do is suppress legitimate information. Yeah, which, like, that was straight out of the playbooks of right. the 2016 election and the 2020 election. Right, so and, and that's and, where I'm going with this, mm -hmm. is if you deride all legitimate media as fake news and, and manufactured, then... You can, you're basically reducing legitimate media to the same playing field as the actual fake news that's out there. So now you no longer have credible sources. You no longer have credible publications. And so something like the National Enquirer of like Obama's alien baby is now on the same level footing as the New York Times. And so that, and now people are probably still not going to buy news from the National Enquirer as legitimate. But if there's some publication that you've never heard of before that just started and starts running news articles, news articles that seem outlandish or, or whatever, well, if you make the New York Times or the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal or the LA Times, or any of these major newspapers or the Associated Press seem illegitimate, then when a new player comes on that has a name that makes them sound legitimate of something, something free press or whatever, you can name whatever you, something, whatever you want, and you see a news article from them, you're a lot more likely to believe it because you've been told, or, or you're a lot less likely to disbelieve it. Well, and, and here's how they work, is they name themselves something like the Associated Free Press, and then they have a logo that 
has some tie-ins from like the Washington Post or the New York Times or any other any other news publication that already exists that your eyes are very used to seeing and it, you're right it seems it seems more legitimate and there's nothing delegitimizing it right it, well it's because since we've delegitimized all news then any news has equal value well this is this is why i think we need to be doing a better job in teaching children and the general public critical thinking that's not enough well, but but it needs to be, and this is this is my pushback, my biggest pushback against religion is that religion indoctrinate, indoctrinates people into the belief style that, or into the thinking style that if you want it enough and believe in it, it, it must be true. And there's no critical thinking when it comes to religion because critical thinking flies in the eye of faith. So well, that's that's the more important part. Is that like the with with faith? It's there are certain things that are unquestionable that you just have to believe, regardless of whatever evidence is presented in front of you. And that's where the problem lies: is refusing to make evidence-based judgments and draw conclusions from the evidence instead of pre-existing biases. Yes, but what happens, but how are you going to call on that? How are you going to enact that? Well, how do you fight that? You don't. You, it's impossible to fight that. But how, are, how should people be dealing with fake news as it shows up on Facebook? Well, the problem is you can't expect people to be able to. I don't think it's it's reasonable to expect your average Facebook user to be able to tell the difference between legitimate news and fake news. I don't think that there's a way to do it. But what if the, you know what if these new uh, media outlets pop up with their with their company page, they create a Facebook page, then they start propagating news. Well, and, and it, you know, there's, it's largely truth, but there, there, you know, so there's some marginal error, which is actually pretty spot on with most news organizations. They're largely truth, but every once in a while they get some facts wrong and that, you know, they have to issue, you know, whatever edits. Well, it's also, you can have an article that is 100% factually correct, but presented in a way that will cause people to draw one type of conclusion or another just by the way you write it. You don't have to misstate any facts to, oh, to, yeah, it's, it's, it's your, I'll let you finish. Sorry. No, that's pretty much it. Well, yeah, you're, you're calling on facts, but inducing somebody to believe something that is not in fact. Is that, well, is that what you're getting at? Am I, am I, am I, it's, it's in the manner in which you present the facts. Like, if you wanted to talk about, I guess, all right, vehicle deaths. About 40,000 people a year die from vehicles in, in automobile accidents this, in, in this country. And so the way that you can make it sound better or worse is you can present the 40,000 as a number. You could pre present it as a percentage chance you could present it as a per capita rate and if yeah. you were to say 40,000 people a year die from vehicle deaths meanwhile the per capita rate of people dying from gun deaths is and if you present the same statistics presented two different ways you can get people to draw one conclusion or another you could say the per capita rate of vehicle deaths I'm, I don't know the number off the top of my head I'm just going to say is 40 people per 100,000. And you say, meanwhile, in this country, 11,000 people a year die from like firearm-related deaths. Well, firearms, you, if I say 40 out of 100,000, that sounds a lot lower than 11,000. Even yeah. though 40,000 people die from vehicles, 11,000 people die from guns. And you can do it the other way. You can say it's 11 people out of 100,000 versus 40,000 people die from vehicles. 
and like well, you saw it actually yeah. at the beginning of COVID when people were talking about like, well, the normal flu season, like seventy thousand people a year die from the normal flu season, and this was early on. They're just like, well, we've only had like twenty thousand people die from COVID, so can it really be that bad? And then as the numbers go, went up, they're like, well, you know what? Four hundred thousand people a year die from heart disease, and COVID's only at three hundred thousand. So you can make all these comparisons to make something sound better or worse without changing the actual data. Yeah, and that, but but how are we drawing the line of fake news on that? Because I don't think we're really talking specifically about fake news, and that's that's influencing news or influencing news, news that influences people one way or the other. But actual fake news, I think. Well, there's not a bright line. That's and that's where the difficulty lies. Is well, that you can have true fake news that where none of this stuff is true and you can have semi-fake news where most of it is true but they try and get you to a conclusion that's false or they start with something that's mostly false to try and get you to a conclusion that's true so like where do you draw the line between that and actual news where it's just like this is what happened on fifth avenue yesterday um, I oftentimes when I hear news that's not like that, I get I get really really frustrated. A lot of times, and I've I've been seeing it happen more and more and more. The spin that that's being put on news, and and it just makes listening to the news impossible. You know, it just makes it really really frustrating. Um, well, I'll give you an example from from uh, not my real life, but from someone I know. Um, is this someone my- you know in your real life? Yeah, it's someone I know in my real life, but it's not some like it's not something that I had anything to do with. It's just like someone who I happen to know in a news story about them. Okay. Um, so, guy runs a restaurant and didn't file his sales tax returns and his income tax turn, returns correctly. Um, gets some gets attention from like South Carolina saying like, "Hey, these are wrong," and. It was a pretty bad issue. He, he screwed up pretty badly. Um, and in order for him to settle with the state and, and like he had to plead guilty to some things. In the end, he spent three hours in jail as part of like the guilty plea. They had to book him in and he had to go through the process. But it, like from start to finish, he goes into the jail. And he's out in three hours, right? As part of like, you have to be arrested so that way we can get you into court so you can plead guilty, right? Yeah, okay. It's just part of the process. It's just uh, what had yeah, to happen. I, I see where you're going with this already, but I'll let you finish the story. So as part of pleading guilty to these charges, like he didn't have to serve any prison time and he had to pay some fines and he has to pay the taxes that he owes, right? So the news has a picture of this guy and his mugshot saying that this person was arrested for tax evasion and could face up to five years in prison and all these other things. And so it makes it seem like this guy is being held in jail and is awaiting trial on these things, when in reality the mugshot was because he had to go through that. But he had already pled guilty and settled the, th- the cases with the state, no jail time, and he owed some amount of money. And so, while the articles were well, technically I think, well, true in some ways, when I you do. read them, it makes you think like this guy's going to go to jail, whereas the reality is he's already settled. Sure, but I think between what the news is portraying him as and how you're portraying him, I imagine he must have had, he must have done some pretty bad stuff with his taxes. Yeah, he made some really bad mistakes. Well, it sounds like maybe some of that. And I'm not saying this had anything to do with a lawsuit, but they must have been bad enough that there had to be, maybe they weren't intentional, but there was intentional negligence. <laughs> and, you know. Right. But the point is, like, the way that the news article made it sound versus how it actually was. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's an issue with all news, not just specifically Facebook. But... But I think you know a lot of the fake news stuff on Facebook is is a major downside. Now I think the time suck aspect to get back to backtrack a hair, 
Um, but the time suck aspect of Facebook and the fact that a lot of what you're looking at isn't reality and you can, you can lump fake news into that means that you're spending so much time consuming what's not reality. And that's one of my biggest reasons. I think Lisa asked, like, how do you choose people who to follow? I'm really, you know, I'd rather I message I spend more time messaging people back than I do scrolling through the feed. The only time I scroll through the feed is, is to find something to post on a story for the Sip Talk podcast. So it usually has to be something humorous. Um, but, but I really dislike that, you know, spending five or 10 minutes scrolling to see what's going on. Uh, yeah, that's not, that's not time that I want to be, be spending because you're not, because where's the benefit? And, and, and really, what benefit do we get from using Facebook? I log into Facebook multiple times a day and look at absolutely nothing, not even messages, just the Facebook marketplace because it's superior to Craigslist. Here's where I'll defend it, and it's in this circumstance only. When, you've, when you need to kill time, you're standing in line at the bank or something. That's okay. Like you, you get nothing better to do, and there's no way for you to really be able to use your time in a productive fashion, and you just need something to distract yourself. Go right ahead. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I, you know, I definitely agree with you there. But, um, but it need, you know, it needs to, people need to understand that the time they spend scrolling through is mostly wasted time. Yeah, but if you're standing in line at the bank, that's wasted time, anyways. Well, you also play video games, which I don't. So yeah, I waste a tremendous amount of time on video <laughs> games. So again, I, one of the biggest reasons I'm against video games is because it's a total time waste for me. Mm -hmm. Losing makes me really pissed, and winning doesn't make me feel good at all. So yeah, it, yeah, it's just. And I, as a kid, you know, I used to love video games. Spend a ton of time playing video games. Now I just I'd rather spend my time doing doing other things, uh, but also I don't find any any value added to my life through playing video games or through scrolling on Facebook or uh, or Instagram for the most part, even Twitter. I uh, I've never understood Twitter. <laughs> it's yeah. Well, it's also it's less alluring to the eyes because it's a lot more written word. But I just don't understand it. Like I, 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 I'm not really sure what it's for, or like what's the appeal. I've I've never really used Twitter like that at all, so I have had no it, idea. I've got a joke account, but like I get on it and I look and I was like, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with this. <laughs> you're supposed to read, you know, and uh, well, maybe you're not following the right people. That, that, that. So what do you do when you get on Reddit? So with Reddit, you can subscribe to all sorts of different things. Like there, there's pages for practically any interest or community. So if there's a TV show you like, there's a subreddit where people will talk about that TV show. Sports team you like, a particular sport, a particular hobby. Like you like painting, there's a subreddit for painting. You like music, there's a general one for music, and then name a music genre, and I guarantee you there's a subreddit for it. And so people post links or or discussions about a, a, a given thing. And so, like when I'm on my main page in Reddit, I've got maybe thirty or thirty-five different subreddits that I subscribe to. And so it'll just give me a list of like all the things that are happening in like a never ending stream of like news, video games, music, whatever, what all these different, like there's, I'm, I'm on the Charleston subreddit. So like anything that happens in Charleston, someone can just post like, Hey, I, I don't know, I'll pull it up right now and see like what the Charleston subreddit is saying. It's never anything good. <laughs> but it's, but it sounds to me while you're pointing that up, that the format it, that it actually serves a very similar purpose and it has a lot of the same stuff that say Twitter may have. It's just the format that they, it's delivered to you is something that you may be more comfortable in. So, so Reddit and is not that social aspect as much with likes or like with Quora. So, so Reddit 
is it's anonymous for one. Like you just have a username. So unless you make the username like Justin DeGiulio, then no one's going to know that it's you. Um, whereas, like, so the other thing is there are there is like a, a voting system on Reddit where like if you make a post, so like here on on Charleston subreddit, the, like the top link for the day was gluten free pizza in Charleston. And the way the Reddit police itself, but basically, if you make a post or you make a comment, people can either vote it up or vote it down. So you want upvotes, you don't want downvotes. And upvotes and downvotes can either be based on the quality of your content or more often in the case of whether or not you agree with what the person before you said. But yeah. um, it me. has a reward structure where like, you have what's called karma, which is basically just a sum total of all the upvotes minus the downvotes that you've gotten. Um, but but yeah, sounds they, to me a lot like sounds to me like a lot like likes on Twitter. It, it, it very much is. Um, the difference is that it's anonymous. Yes, that's a huge difference. But like Rosh just said, and and I think I ha also have my full name. What's up, Phil? Nice to see you. Uh, I have my full name probably on Reddit. I don't. I don't know actually, even if I have a Reddit account, but I'm I'm sure at some point in time I've. I've made one. Um, hmm. Yeah, so Rock says that he uses Reddit to keep up with his various investments in cryptocurrencies. But, but he, That's I, fine. Got a, I got a question. Hmm? Um, what about policing Reddit? Because, you know, my, I was thinking, you know, is there more violence in the world today or less violence because Facebook simply exists? And you know, people get you know, get together and they, you know, create whatever groups and then they go and do some bad shit. But, but they, Facebook also polices for that. So what's the deal with Reddit? Because I can imagine that going pretty, pretty left, pretty fast. I don't mean, I don't mean leftist, like, like liberal. I just mean, mean left South wrong or South also. Yes. Yeah. Well, so yeah, Reddit has over the course of its history banned a number of communities um but how are they you know and they can't have a fraction of the the team that facebook has to be monitoring the content i have no idea i think like in general the site is moderated by its users um and when communities get banned it's either because a particular subreddit's moderators have failed in moderating the content, or that it's clear that this particular subreddit was set up for the sole purpose of hate speech or whatever. Mm. So if you've got like subreddits that that are the the ones that get banned most often are going to be like political subreddits that are actually like going out and, and like trying to cause harm or harass or encouraging harassment of other users either on the site or outside of the site or anything involving like child pornography, which, yeah, that needs to get banned. Um, but the Reddit has throughout its entire history struggled with its message and its mission of trying to be an open platform that anyone can use and anyone can talk about anything they want with moderating problematic content. I think the anonymity on Reddit makes it significantly less harmful because but you don't have a face. Yeah, because you don't have a face to put to something. Could, right? Couldn't but, you... Couldn't you put your actual name and your actual photo on there? You could, but very few people do. Why not? Because the is it, is it the user, like yeah, pretty much the the site has a much stronger relationship with privacy and anonymity. Then there must be a certain aspect of the personalities that of the people who use that, like you. 
and don't use the other ones where they can kind of self glorify themselves. And build yeah, themselves. there are millions of people on this site though. Like yeah, I'm I know, probably still an outlier in terms of personality. Yeah, but but I feel like there's you know, if you're if you're creating an anonymous account versus an account with your profile picture and that allows you to put up filtered images of yourself. You, so you can't even have like a profile picture on Reddit. The only way that you could have a picture attached to your name is if like you posted a picture of yourself in like one of the subreddits. So like some people do that. Like there'll be a picture of like, here's me and my wife getting married. Can't believe we met 20 years ago or something like that. But like, it's not like if you click on Reddit user number one, two, three, like, and you click on their profile, there's no pictures. You'd have to go through their post history and see if they posted a picture of themselves doing something. And would that get a lot of upvotes, do you think? Um, I, there, there's some women out there that get tons of upvotes for posting pictures of themselves. Uh, well, uh, I, I'm going to have to spend a little more time checking out checking out Reddit. I use uh, I get these emails from Quora. You familiar with Quora? Heard of it? Yeah, and it's it's just basically like somebody asks a question and somebody, isn't that isn't that basically Yahoo Answers? I, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it is. <laughs> uh, and but I get these emails and it's like, what's the worst thing you ever saw as a doctor, or what's the what's the you know worst thing that ever happened at your practice as a doctor? Just, you know. Yeah, that's Yahoo Answers. Yeah, and and uh, you know, a lot of times I click on them, but oh man! All right, so I, we I wanted to, we we blew way by this, but we got a couple minutes left. How could you split up Facebook so that? It, it then is not a monopoly. Well, the first thing that I, I suggested this on Tuesday, and I'm going to double down on it, is stop allowing other websites to, to let you log in using your Facebook account. De-link Facebook from the outside internet experience. I can't go onto a random website and it'll say, like, but, log but in using make- your Reddit account. But is that going to make Facebook better? Because you can log in using your Google account, and then you don't have to go in and type in all your user information, your email. Yeah. So there's a, there is some benefit to that. I'm, I'm not going to be a hypocrite here. I don't like that you can do that with Google either. Like, but I don't think that's one of the worst evils of Facebook. Is that no, you- no, no. But we're talking. We're not. That's not the question you asked. Is how do we find ways of limiting Facebook's power and reach? And that's one your, is that you. That's the easiest answer that I can come up with. I've got a few others, but that's right, the well, easiest I'm, and simplest fix immediately is to stop the to cut the association that Facebook has with external websites that it doesn't own. That's okay. one. Two is start breaking up the things that Facebook has acquired and then separately delink them from Facebook. So WhatsApp is its own thing now. Instagram is its own thing. And it's not linked to Facebook. I don't, I don't know exactly how that would work because they bought Instagram. They, I know, but this is how monopolies work. It's if I own the power company in town, and then I also buy the grocery store in town, and then, I don't know, I buy the movie theater in town, and then someone says, well, you own like three quarters of this town. Like my answer of, well, I mean, I bought all those things. You can't make me like break them up and sell them off to like separate insurers or whatever. Well, that's that's not how that works. But I think also you'd have to simultaneously be grouping Google into this as well. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not singling Facebook out in terms of things that need to be broken up because of their monopolistic tendencies. But your question was, what do we do about Facebook? So I answered, here's what we do about Facebook. I mean, are there other large internet companies that need to be broken up into smaller pieces? Fuck yeah. But would, it, would there not be some benefit of having this digital social security number? No. You don't think so at all? Because I, I think it's really frustrating to have to fill out 15 pages of forms when I go from one doctor to the next doctor when I just filled out all those forms. I'm not seeing the analogy here. Well, if everything was linked through some social media profile, 
through some online account, wouldn't that make like a social security number, you know, could do that could be. Here's my issue. Well, we're at a is, We're about to go ahead. Quick. Can you get out quick? Yeah. My issue uh, is like a social security number is run by the government. The, the government ostensibly has your best interests in mind when it's running programs and it's not seeking to profit off of you. And in, in theory, you should be able to know what the government is doing with your data and how they're using it. If you give a private right, company like Facebook. We're out. We're out. Oh, well, uh, rant over. All right, dudes and dudettes, you made it this far. Let me know if you agree with us, if you disagree with us, what else you think you could do to fix Facebook. See you guys next time. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.